Other horns don't. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. The Southwest State plays football. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the fucking play against them. And make us ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, a 40-point win. Why does that feel disappointing? Man, either A, the fans have gotten spoiled, which is probably a lot of it, or two, we just know we can play better and we should be putting teams away like this quick and early, and we're not. And so I think some of the fans in the back of their mind is just really waiting for us to put it all together and, and just worried about how things are going to look when teams like Ole Miss and Texas A&M come a-calling. Yeah, I think that's exactly it, right? You know, they scored 12 points, four scoring drives. They were all, all field goals, but four scoring drives. A couple of those were sustained drives. And uh, those are the types of things that uh, – you know, you get an offense that can uh, that can play a little bit better, and uh, maybe those are four touchdowns. I'd like to see a lot more three and outs than what we've been executing. I know that's defense, but uh, and an execution on on offense. I think there's still a whole lot uh, of opportunity opportunity on that side of the ball. Why, why don't you pick something on offense and uh, let's step it through? Yeah, I, I want to start with the the quarterback because that's that's still the biggest thing for me that that I want to get ironed out. Sure, there there's been a lot of prognosticators and all the smart people who, you know, have come out recently and said that you know Coker's going to be the guy and he wasn't brought in to not be the guy. Sure. And I struggle to think why you know when you when you take the Heisman Trophy candidate you know to the very end of you know uh, summer uh, summer ball or fall practice. And and just you know just get edged out by him. He probably could have gone to several places. You know this is a system that he probably was comfortable with. Was there other pro style places he could have gone? There was. So you know I I think he came here thinking you know it's my job to to lose. Maybe he underestimated the terminology. We got to be fair. It hasn't been very long. But you know I, I'm just itching for this to get worked out and. And I think in the back of my mind, I know he's going to ultimately be the guy. And uh, I guess I'm just ready for this quarterback competition to be over. Yeah, I, you know, what's interesting is uh, I, I think Sims really took the fight. Uh, I don't think he backed down. And, uh, and he's, he's, I think, you know, performed much better than certainly I expected. I, you know, you might would say the same. I wonder if Coker didn't take a couple of steps back. Uh, I don't know that Sims is necessarily moving a, a lot forward. But, uh, you know, twice in a row, Coker uh, has taken a, a critical sack uh, on the goal line, uh, essentially taking points off the board. And we haven't needed those points each of the last two weeks, but it, those are the types of mistakes. And, and if we really want to, you know, look at this sort of even-handedly, uh, he's made the type of mistakes in those settings that are the same kinds of mistakes that we've seen Blake Sims make in A days that led us to believe that he had no shot at the job. That doesn't mean he doesn't still have the talent uh, and the upside, but uh, I think he's making the types of mistakes that will keep him from winning the job. I don't. I don't think those. I don't think those mistakes are apples to apples. Um, he is getting hit in the backfield by two guys and throwing a fifty-yard bomb on a rope. 
Blake Sims is backpedaling an A-day, throwing off his back foot to the sideline for a pick six and throwing an ill-fated ball. And he did it two A-days in a row. So to be fair, we watched Blake Sims throw two pick six back-to-back years in A-day games. Coker hasn't made a mistake like that. Well, so I'm not, not going to pair. I'm not going to compare taking a sack inside your opponent's 10-yard line to throwing a pick six. Well, they're like kind mistakes in that you're making poor decisions with the ball. I, I think that's you know pretty obvious. He can throw the ball away. He can get rid of it faster. Uh, I, I think they're making uh, poor decisions with the ball, and it's the type of thing that you know Saban's going to going to play the guy that's uh, less prone to make mistakes. And you know, look, we can both admit that we're surprised that that Sims is turning out to be that guy after what we've seen. But uh, you know, there's no way there's no way Corey Reamer had the athletic upside of a Jarrell Harris. But you know, Jarrell could not see the field ahead of of Corey, and and I wonder if it's not that if it's not a similar situation uh, at the quarterback position. You know, am I surprised he's playing to the level that he's playing? Yes. Do I think this competition is over? Far from it. You know. <laughs> Those receivers were wide open in this ball game. Um, Southern Miss is Southern Miss for a reason. You know, I mean, did did he did he? Okay, he brings an element to the game with his mobility. Sure, uh, which is which is which is good. They're still throwing a lot of very short passes, sideline passes, short slants. He was 12 of 17, and so on the surface you say, hey, he was 12 of 17. He was 12 of 17 for less than 200 yards. Eight of his 11, eight of his first 10 passes went to Amari Cooper. And the reason I point that out real quick is because we know what Amari Cooper is bringing to the table. Sure. Amari Cooper is Blake Sims' best friend right now, okay, as he would be maybe Jacob Coker's if they had, you know, had time to develop chemistry. So my point is, is the proof, I mean, the, the jury's still out, I guess is what I want to say, okay? If Blake Sims wins the job, then God bless you, that'll be best for the for the Alabama nation, right? But, but right now, Amari Cooper is about to start seeing some of the best cornerbacks in the SEC, and we're going to see teams take him, try to take him out of the ball game. And so when that comfort, when that, when that cozy blanket goes away, then let's see how he responds. And and it and and it is for the taking. I mean, it, it's there for him to go get because Coker is. It's like you hear, you know, the game hasn't slowed down for Coker, right? I mean, you know, they say once they can, you know, once the game slows down and they understand that what they're doing, they can play faster. Well, Coker's still getting that, and so if Blake wants to do it, he needs to do it between now and Ole Miss, because if he can perform well against Florida's defense and Ole Miss's defense. You know, I think he's, you know, I guess what I'm saying is, is the the big opportunities are out there for him to see what he can do. Oh, sure. You know, we have a bye week between those two games and and uh, the next two out of the three, uh, next two out of three Saturdays are going to go a long way in determining, you know, how good this team is going to be both sides of the ball and especially at the quarterback position. And and I agree. I don't think it's over yet. I still think that, uh, you know, we're going to see both of them, but you know, we've not seen as much of Coker, you know, even at a shared split duty, we've not seen as much Coker as, as uh, I would have expected, you know, two, two throwaway snaps in the first game, uh, just a couple of series 
uh, against Southern Miss, which was going to be his second game, right? We had, we talked about that maybe that being his uh, his true coming out after he performed so well in sort of the second half of his uh, performance against Florida uh, Atlantic that we expect really this is the opportunity that he was going to uh, sort of step out and demonstrate what that he what he could do. And so a little bit of me is maybe disappointed because I had those higher expectations, uh, and I don't think he lived up to those. Well, I am surprised, you know, I, I will question Saban because, you know, Saban said that, you know, he he didn't go to Coker as quickly because the game was still, you know, kind of going the way it was. Sure. And so, you know, unfortunately for us, you know, it's a it's a 21-6 ball game at halftime and, you know, you're, you're beating a team about like this by only 15 points. Going into the second half, with Blake Sims, I agree with. You have an eight-play, 75-yard drive to go up 28-6. to six. At that point, and who am I? I'm not, you know, head sure. coach Nick Saban. I would have made the switch right there. Right. Because, because you're up by 22 points. You've got the kind of defense that you have. They've shown that they can't run the ball. So, I – I am disappointed like you because I don't think he did it early enough. And so the reason I say that is we look at the body of work. Okay, he was 5 of 7 for 50 yards. Is 5 of 7 bad? No. Is Blake's 12 of 17 bad? No. No. But 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 I want to give – so so this was the game to do it, right? Florida and at Ole Miss and at Arkansas is not the game to give them each two quarters of play. So I think they missed the boat on this from a coaching staff standpoint. No, I think that's fair. And I think maybe, you know, maybe the the cleanest way of saying this, and and I think you'll get what I'm what I'm trying to say, neither of the guys have lost the job, but neither of the guys have really stepped up and won the job either. And so they're both on this plane of this range of, of performance. But no one has either has really even uh, you know taken a step back, uh, sort of uh, wilted under the under the competition. But neither of them have really stepped up and said, "This is my quarterback job." Neither has I would agree with that. And what I meant by the security blanket comment, real quick, is watching them. You know, watching Blake Sims throw a five yard pass to Amari Cooper, eight out of the first ten throws, or an eight yard pass that he turns into, you know. 18 yards with 10 yards after the catch against a Southern Miss team that was playing way off of him doesn't show me anything. If Jacob Coker had started the game and thrown those eight passes, I would have also said, sure, what does that show me? So I'm ready to see these guys in a pressure situation, game on the line against SEC talent, because then one of them is going to wilt. Yeah, I do agree with that. A little more, a little more pressure. We have been kind of protecting them and and building their confidence, which that's not a bad thing either. But let's take this down down the road that uh, you kind of pointed us uh, uh, us towards. And as we were watching the game on Saturday, uh, I think this became more and more apparent to me, or at least it's my working theory. Uh, you know, we've talked about Saban being the guy that operates from a place of abundance. He's going to roll his whole playbook out there. He's going to run five wides. He's going to run a power eye uh, and sort of everything in between. And he's going to do that in their first quarter or the first half or the first game of the season. And he's going to say, you guys, defensive coordinators across the rest of the league, you guys figure out what you want to try to take away because I don't think you can even take that away. 
but you're not going to take everything away, and I'm showing you what I've got. Here are my cards. And uh, we've been playing this season much more close to the vest, and so there's a part of me, and I don't want to sound too much like a wonk, and I don't want to sound too negative on one of the quarterbacks either, but are we truly going to you know more of a Gene Stallings, I'm only going to do what I have to do to win, uh, or are we so limited in the quarterback capability that we can only run page one of the offense? I don't think we would be I don't think we would be relegated to just page one of the offense because we've been told that Blake Sims really understands what we're doing, right? Is that coach speak, right? Is he just telling the reporters what he wants to, you know, them to tell all of us? Because on the one hand, you hear Blake Sims, you know, really understands the system and what we're doing, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. But yet you hear Lane Kiffin's got to be down on the sideline for help with communication. So, you know, that's kind of contrasting, right? And then obviously Coker is, is you know, we've been told that, you know, he looks great in seven on seven. But in the, you know, when they run the full ones against the ones, you know, he's limited. Right. So I don't want to think that you're correct that we've had to go so vanilla because of our quarterback play. I hope it's just that Lane Kiffin's been an influence to say, let's only show what we got to show. Right. You know, I hope that that's true, you know, because otherwise – Otherwise, I think there's more trouble uh, ahead of us if we're truly just, you know, revealing. And I, you know, page one is sort of a, a metaphor for, you know, a limited playbook. We have actively talked about, uh, not you and I, but the coaching staff. Uh, you know, Saban is on record as saying that we're running the scaled down offense with uh, with Blake. Now that was week one, you know, and then we saw all the out patterns to Amari because, you know, we're going to run it until you. Uh, until you start, you know, all the sideline routes uh, in week two, uh, we saw some of those, not as many, but some of those against uh, against Southern Miss. Since we're doing the same kinds of things, we stretched the field a little bit more, or attempted to stretch the field uh, a, a little bit more against uh, Southern Miss. But clearly, we have a lot more uh, in the playbook, and so I want to say that we're doing that intentionally. Well, in either case, we're doing it intentionally, I guess. But I want to say that we're doing it. Uh, to keep people on their toes rather than because we can't run the rest of the stuff. There's no doubt that Blake knows it. I mean, he's been around for five years. He can go to the, the you know, the, the whiteboard and he can draw it all out. Uh, there's something different to go ex- you know, execute it, you know, in live competition. And so do we think that he just can't execute it or do we think that we're scaling down the play calling, you know, or is it the impossible question because it's a little bit of both? I just don't know. And uh, that, to me, that's a little unnerving. Well, if I had to guess or wager a guess, I would say when, on, as far as Blake is concerned, I think his pocket presence, his, he's not your prototypical drop-back passer. Mm-hmm. And so his ability to consistently – I don't think they're confident in him trying to fit a ball into a tight space between the hashes. And so the reason I don't think you see, you know, when you see a slant, you see a very short slant, right? 
You yep. see it right behind the linebackers, or you see the, you know, behind the behind the uh, line of scrimmage in the on the flats, or you're seeing the end around scrimmage to you know end around uh, run to to Cooper that you love so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember in the first game against West Virginia, I remember turning to my wife and saying, you know, we haven't gone to the tight end. We haven't done anything to the safeties. And I pointed to this other Bama fan. And I said, look at that safety. I said, he's bored to death. He's got nothing to do. Right. Because literally he sat there 15 yards over the ball like, it ain't coming to me. And the one time they throw it to the tight end, it gets intercepted. Right. So I'm going to say that we are limited in what we're seeing from our playbook in just having confidence in the quarterbacks doing it. Yep. Because, okay. because we haven't shown that they can do it consistently yet. And, and maybe to your point, hopefully the bye week comes at a great time and uh, they get two more weeks to work on it before Ole Miss. Yeah, I think we're going to need to. Uh, you, know, you know, Florida, I don't want to overlook them, but uh, – you know, uh, and it, and it may be easy for the team to do right after they went to three overtimes with Kentucky. Uh, you know, maybe Kentucky's a little bit better. I, we don't know, right? And so the last thing we need to do is is overlook a, a Florida team. But um, you know, it's a team that I think that uh, that we can that we can beat. But they're going to test us. They're going to have SEC talent, even though even if they're a little bit down, they're still going to have SEC talent. They're still going to run SEC schemes. It's still must champ, you know, kind of, you know, setting up and staging uh, the the defense. So we're going to get, you know, more of a test. And so we're going to learn, you know, we've had three games so far, and uh, we're probably going to learn as much Saturday as we have thus far. Oh, absolutely. What what uh what else what else jumps out at you on the offensive side of the ball? Anything for the for the offensive line or? Or from the tight end position? Well, you know, what, where is the tight end position, right? Uh, you talked about, uh, you know, against uh, West Virginia, it felt like maybe we had to force the ball to OJ, and, uh, uh, you know, that led to an interception. You know, we're down sort of in a goal line uh, situation. Uh, OJ, uh, you guys, you know, you and I kind of watch who's coming in, what are the rotations, what's the player uh, packages and personnel. And so OJ comes onto the field, and so our, our reaction is, Watch us try to force the ball to OJ now, and and, and sure enough, we did. It wasn't an, an interception, fortunately, this time, but you know it contributed to us not being effective on the goal line and having to uh, kick a field goal. And so the, I find that very, very frustrating because you know last year we we were intentional in working to uh, the the tight ends, and this year we expected even more of that with Kiffin coming in and who has sort of a reputation of including the, the tight ends in the passing game. So, you know, really, I mean, there's an APB out for, for OJ Howard because, uh, you know, one of the best tight ends in college football. And, uh, you know, he, you know, we either try to force it to him and it, and it doesn't work, but we're not, we're not naturally and fluidly getting him, uh, in, into the game. It's, it seems too forced rather than just naturally in the flow of the game. Well, and we're and we're overdoing it with Amari. Okay, I mean, no offense to Amari, but sure. eight out of the first ten balls went to to Amari Cooper. And and yes, I agree. You want to get your playmakers involved in in the game early. But to your point, right? Pitch your tight end the ball in the first couple series. Sure. Get his head in the game. And when we did, and when we did throw the ball, you know, we 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 threw it to Vogler. 
Now I'm not mad at Vogler. Vogler has, you know, really done very well um, sure. in his uh, in his run blocking so far this year. Um, but OJ's got to be wondering what's up when the ball when the ball does come. It's it's not even coming my way, right? Yeah, yeah. And and that, and to me, that's frustrating because you know both of these things can be true, right? Let's run a real simple route early in the game to get him in 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 the flow, or Let's go to uh, Amari eight times in a row, which darn well ought to free up a tight end. You would think, but I'm I'm seeing neither. Right? It's it's almost it's almost like and and look, you guys, you you and I were in a stadium of hundred thousand people. We saw him come in, and it was like he had a a billboard over his head. They're gonna pass it to me this time. It, I, you know, I just. I just, I just thought it was funny that that we kind of called watch us try to force it to the tight end. We haven't gone to him really all day, and and and, and it just felt like yep. Now we're going to do it, and it's going to be forced, and it's not going to end well. Right. No, I agree with that. Hey, what did you think about the uh, offensive line? I you know Leon Brown started the game, and and he was in there for the majority of the snaps with the one. I saw some articles from AL.com where they were talking about the, you know, the distribution of the running plays and where they were called. And Mm -hmm. so I had to go back and look at it myself. And it's really surprising how few of times we truly ran up the gut, truly over the center. Um, So many times was over the left end and and over the right end. And, And we had greater success with that. We had a critical third and two early in the game where uh, Derek Henry runs the ball up the gut and we can only get a yard and, and we have to punt the ball for our, you know, our one punt of the game. What do you think about the, that interior push? I know we rushed for a lot of yards and it looks good on paper, but um, they, had a, you know, they had a redshirt junior and a redshirt senior, uh, both 300 pounds, and they seemed to give us fits in the, in the middle there from not being able to run the ball. Yeah, we were not able to to soften up the middle, and so we're passing to the outside, and and maybe a little bit in the flats, maybe a crossing pattern here and there, and that's that's pulling maybe the safeties out a little bit, and maybe the 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 cornerbacks up, but we're not, and so maybe that frees up the outside runs because because the you know they're they're going out and trying to double the some of the receivers, but we're not taking the linebackers out of the box, uh, you know, like you said, that safety right. We're not picking on that safety. We're not pitching it over the, the the linebacker's head. We're not, you know, we're not, you know, sort of that zone, you know, 12 to 15 yards uh, the other side of the line of scrimmage between the hashes. We're not attacking that, which will get the linebackers out of the box, you know, or at least thinking that they need to, you know, have a have a step backwards. And, uh, and, and so they're really fortifying the middle. We can attack the edges running because we're attacking the edges passing. But we're not attacking the middle passing, so it makes it difficult to attack the middle rushing. I don't know if that's just I don't know if that's just me oversimplifying it, but it just you know the linebackers are stacking the box just as just as tight as anything, uh, and that's going to help your defensive tackles. Oh no, absolutely, um, it will. Hey, uh, one of our longtime buddies, Eric, had a comment in the game, and and uh, you know sitting next to us, and I wanted to I wanted to work it into the show. It sure, you know, kind of like it aggravates you with the Mari Cooper, you know, on that end around. Those end arounds. <laughs> um, he he asked, he's like, you know, what's up with Kenyon Drake being our our goal line featured back so much? I know that it shows he's out of the doghouse, but why do you have your quickest back in the game in that situation? 
you know, bring a Derrick Henry or, or give Justin Fowler some love and, and let him beef it up. Yeah, I don't know, right? Uh, it's not like we're trying to spread everyone out and then kind of shoot something in, in the middle there because, you know, we've brought Dominic Jackson in as, as sort of the next celebrity fullback. And so we're bringing beef in the middle and uh, and then you line up behind him, uh, you know, comparatively speaking, little Kenyon Drake behind big Dominic Jackson. You know, the contrast there is kind of funny. Uh, and so we're trying to go power inside clearly, right, with multiple tight ends and a, uh, a lineman is the fullback. And, and so clearly we're bringing a jumbo package. And, uh, and then we bring our speediest, our fastest running back. I don't, I don't get the, uh, the contrast there either. Uh, I know Yeldon was a little dinged up, and so maybe at that point he was out. But then bring in a Henry because he's a basher too, and, and that's just extra – you know, beef and heft, or like you said, go with Fowler because, you know, because he's got, uh, he's got that. It just seems odd to me that in that type of setting, you're bringing your sports car back into the game. You know, you're bringing your edge, speed, rusher, you're going to run wheel routes, those types of things with, with Kenyon. And so, you know, when he's the speed merchant to bring him in, in the power situation, it just, it's a, it seems awkward, and I don't know what the thought process. You know, Eric said, you know, maybe he's the smaller guy, and we're trying to just get a sliver between, you know, a couple of blockers. Okay, I don't know, but that, it, just, that sounds, just seems that just seems reaching. Sounds non-Alabama football. Right, right. And so, well, hey, yeah, if you're going to bring in a three hundred, you know, a six seven, three hundred twenty pound fullback, I, you know, clearly what you're trying to do is bring some heft, and so. I don't know. Why wouldn't you go with Fowler behind that or Henry behind that? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I just would like me some 6'1", 250-pound Justin Fowler with all the love he does blocking every freaking body. By the way, that you know first touchdown by Amari Cooper was sprung by you know none other than Justin Fowler. Just give him a little love at the goal line, right? Yeah, give the, give the a little love. Absolutely. But, you know, I'll, we will say this. You know, Drake apparently is out of the doghouse. Uh, I think we have uh, some Lane Kiffin to to think for that. But clearly, if he's brought in that situation, you know, to get his third touchdown on the day, he's in nobody's doghouse. No, that's true. Hey, real quick before we flip the field, do you want to give a little love to another running back, or are you going to save that for your uh, mini game ball? See, now now you're calling me out on that one. Look, I want to take just a minute. We've t- we've kind of poked at it. The uh, the Amari Cooper on on the end around look to me you know and it's an exciting play and everyone ooh gasps and everyone gets just riled up excited and and people are gonna think I'm nuts you know I'm I'm just a grumpy old man for not liking the end around look it comes down to this Amari Cooper and we said the same thing about Julio Jones go back and when he got to the hurt shows. he is the franchise wide receiver he can impact a defensive alignment. Every play of the game, all by himself, even if he doesn't touch the ball. There's very few people in college football that can do that, and certainly he's one of them, and we have him on our team. He's also been a little bit injury-prone over the last couple of years. And so why would you take this this weapon, a franchise-wide receiver, and run him on an end-around where he's more apt to get injured? I just don't understand it. You know, we opened a game with Julio uh, and and ran for a touchdown. And and you know what? 
I'm glad we scored that touchdown. But I just shook my head and said, that's not how I want to score touchdowns. And you got so many other guys, right? You got so many other talented people in your wide receiver stable of people. And um, frankly, is let Kenyon let Kenyon Drake do the play? Sure, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, run him on it, run him wide, and then run him around because he's a running back. There's yeah. a difference between a running back who's used to taking those kinds of hits and a wide receiver who, I mean, they get hit, but they don't get hit, you know, quite in the same way. They don't get clobbered as much by linebackers and defensive ends, right? And so, gosh, let's just run them right up here with all these guys. That just doesn't make walking around sense to me. And then if you think, you know, hey, we've got Christian Jones a little bit dinged up and we've got uh, DeAndre White that's uh, that's out right now. And so let's take our best wide receiver. I don't want to say we're depleted at the position because I don't mean that by any stretch of the way. But uh, let's take our best wide receiver and, and utilize him in that way. I just don't understand it. And then, you know, if you're just going to, you know, throw a cherry on top, uh, another uh, a wide receiver sort of used in a way I didn't understand, uh, that was our Darius Stewart standing on the bench uh, all day long. Uh, we pontificated uh, or conjectured that maybe there's some suspension there that we just don't know about uh, because, you know, he I think not he's look like he was any. He did not look like he looked like he knew he was not playing. Yes. for the whole day. Yeah, you spotted him, and and uh, and, and and you know at that point, you know it was kind of huh. I haven't seen him yet, and uh, and and so you spotted him, and so uh, you know look, I we're just we're just guessing here, but I think there's got to be something there because he has been heavily rotated into the offense the first couple of games, especially with DeAndre and Christian, uh, you know, their situations. Uh, it was it was kind of surprising that uh, that he wasn't out there. Hey, um, real quick, just real quick comment before we go to mini game balls. I just love seeing the second string. While I didn't agree with the quarterback substitution timing, I did love seeing the backup offensive the what looks like the second unit uh, getting a lot of reps uh, in the game. I thought that was great. Yeah, I really uh, I really enjoyed that as well. I like to see them. Uh, you know, get the reps and compete and, and get an opportunity to play. Because I do think that uh, that we do go almost, almost a two, a two full, a full two deep uh, on the offensive line. And, and look, the guy that I would, you know, maybe put my question mark next to is Isaac Latua. And, uh, and he's been in there, you know, uh, you know, performing pretty noticed well. noticed any glaring things. Nothing has jumped – it's been a it's been a quiet right no yep. n- nothing standing out either way yep yep well hey give me your uh, give me your give me your mini game ball on offense and you can't <laughs> right, take so my I'm, guy now all right so I'm not gonna take your guy so I'm gonna go with your other guy because there's really not many choices with the with what we're going with right with mini game balls I mean we throw the ball you know every other play to Amari Cooper and he's not a mini game ball so. There's really not many uh, choices this week. So I'm going to go with Kenyon Drake. I've been pretty hard on him about some of, you know, in the past about just, you know, and you have too about just get your head on straight, man. You get all the talent in the world and, you know, Carpe Diem sees the day. Well, you know what? We'd have to go back and check, you know, probably, probably never had a three touchdown game, much less a three touchdown game with only nine carries. Sure. And so uh, good for you, Kenyon Drake, that you're uh, that you're getting the opportunities and uh, that you're making the most of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I'm giving my mini game ball and, and you already know where I'm going with this. I'm giving it to Ty, Tyron Jones. Uh, and, and so, 
is we're watching the game and he comes in and he's sort of the fourth running back in uh, ahead of Tim Penny. And, you know, you kind of ask the question, you know, ah, he's in there. Why is he ahead of Tim Penny? And so in my master analysis, uh, on, you know, kind of on the spot, I say, well, he must be a better running back then. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, and, and sort of glib, you know, I don't know why else. And then he proceeds to rattle off some really nice runs and really looks dynamic. And I'm not saying that Tenpenny didn't because I've been impressed, uh, thoroughly impressed with him. And, and if I were stacking him up, I probably would add Tenpenny ahead, uh, Jones, but gosh, he looked really, really good. And, uh, you know, we kidded about, you know, Saban wanted to crack 50 in this game uh, because Coker comes in and, and uh, you know, we think we're just going to kind of run run out the, the string. But uh, he throws the ball up, down, you know, down the field. And then we have an opportunity with Tyron Jones or we have an opportunity at the goal line. I think, what, 12 seconds left. And we could have just taken a knee. But uh, we run it off tackle, and Tyron Jones scores uh, just a touchdown untouched. And uh, later that night, we're sitting having dinner, and we see the highlights. This is a long kind of setup. We're watching the highlights, and on the scroll across the bottom, it says Alabama thrashes Southern Miss. And I'm and and so you know I kind of point that out to you, and I say, well, that's why Saban wanted that last touchdown, Gus thrashes and uh and so in the person of tyron jones for that last touchdown touchdown he is responsible for thrashing southern miss now i remember you saying that that was that was funny because because the headline looked better over 50 right sure and um, 25 to 12 wouldn't have gotten that no and right? and you know and, and our and our buddy eric mentioned this as well in the game and, and just to give him a little more love i don't want it to want it to go to his head or anything but you know, when he made a comment when, when we did score that last touchdown, and he's like, you know, is this the first time in the Saban error that we haven't taken a knee in that situation? And so while it is just crazy, you know, guessing, you know, we're really trying to break 50 in this new playoff era, it does make you scratch your head because we, we have seen many times where he has just, uh, you know, gotten in the kneel formation and he's been at the one foot line and just said, I don't care. I don't need any more points. Well, and I think there's something too. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if he's asked about it uh, or as the season goes along and, and, and you know, kind of see how, how it plays out. But uh, if you think about the BCS uh, was a formula, it was a computer model, and it did not take margin of victory into account. And so why would you run in, in that type of system – if you're being so pragmatic about what you're trying to do and you want to do you want to perform well in a model that does not look at margin of victory then I'm going to be less inclined to score that touchdown but now you're going to put me in a in in a committee selection situation where I know that my counterpart in my same division of my same conference put up what Mississippi State put up 60 against Southern Miss. And so I can't help but know that a human is going to think through those types of comparisons. And so 50 is not 60, but it's not 40 either. So let's get that other touchdown. Let's get over sort of that next, you know, numeric, that next milestone, you know, put 50 on them, you know, kind of thing. Um What's funny you say that real quick, just to correct myself from last week, I thought it had been 60, but that score was 49 to nothing. There you go. Which so, speaks even more because it's like we got a one-up 49. There you go. 
Well, hey, real quick on, on the running backs, I know we got to flip the field here. I found it funny when Tyron Jones did come in the game, his first two runs, he carried the ball for 48 yards on two carries. Um, but when he came in the game and then when Tenpenny came in the very next series, all these runs were around the end. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the game, starting from the 35, Tenpenny rushes the ball four times in a row and takes it from the 35 to the two-yard line, and then Tyron Jones comes in to score the touchdown. <laughs> yes. Hey, uh, what about uh, defense, man? Give me, give me some talk about um, what, what did you, what did you think about the Nick Perry play? It was a good call, right? You know, I'm kind of mixed on 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 that. It looked or the like, right call, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, you know, he definitely, you know, it, it, you know, it looked like to me he may be led with his shoulder. It's hard, it's hard to tell. I do think. And and look, this is sort of your mantra, right? If you wrap up, which you know everyone should wrap up, you you don't see as much of that, that as, as you need to. But if you wrap up, I don't think they call that if you're wrapping up. I think well, you, you take stand the same over tackle. But I think yep. you take the same tackle, the same hit, and you and you follow with the arms uh, and you form tackle them. I just think I don't think they call that. Well, I'm not a big fan of the of the rule, but if it can stop these DBs from leading with their shoulders and just standing, you know, just just trying to knock them down, then then it will do its job. In my, I know that's not the reason the rules out there, but I, I wish these guys would put start start putting their helmet back in their belly buttons where it goes, and uh, and drive them to the ground. Yeah, I think you know, and there's a lot of different reasons for for a rule like this. But, uh, you know, if you take a, if you say, you know, we want to get back to how tackling, sh- how you should tackle, then uh, I think a lot of, you know, the head injuries and that's serious business. Right. And we know more about that than than we used to. And that's fine. But uh, I think if you tackle like you're sp- supposed to tackle, then, uh, you know, maybe a lot of that uh, is uh, is reduced. And so uh, now, you know, I'll offer my little pontification on, you know, Nick Perry. I think he's the guy that, you know, I've, you know, uh, you know, we saw Kirby Smart physically like move him off the field against West Virginia. We've seen him kind of get barked at. We've seen him, you know, be out of position. You know, he had some injury last year, but we've seen him two years in a row lose his starting position. And so I think here's a guy who's back, who knows that his starting role was a little bit on on tenuous ground, and he has an opportunity just to 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 lay some wood and and try to make a statement, and I want to be an enforcer in, in the backfield, uh, defensive backfield. I, I think that there was a lot of that type of emotion that went into that decision because that's not a Nick Perry, you know, that sort of boom kind of hit. That's not a Nick Perry play. Right. No, that's true, and 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 he might just feel some footsteps. Um, but I, I, I was surprised that we saw Jabril come out when, when he did have to leave the game, mm-hmm. um, I was hoping we'd see some. I was hoping we'd see a combination of of Jabril and uh, Hootie Jones. Um, we really didn't see Hootie until you know the the whole second unit came in, right? Um, but Jabril uh, seemed to uh, be fairly comfortable when he was in the game. He has looked very comfortable. Uh, you know, he's been starting. You know, and I'm going to call him the, the the starter at the dime. But when he comes in, it you know when we co- when we go to a dime, he's really playing more of the, I guess their free free safety position, and uh, and Landon is Landon is playing 
uh, playing the money. But, um, you know, he comes in in the dime package. And we played a lot of dime. Uh, I was surprised at, uh, at how much dime. We probably, we probably played more dime against Southern Miss than I've seen us play, you know, you know in, in most of the last year. And so that was interesting to see. I don't know if that's how we thought we necessarily needed to, to defend Southern Miss or if we were just trying to get a lot of run for a lot of DBs. Uh, there was one instance, I think it was a third and three situation, and I guess it was in the third quarter, and uh, uh, you know Southern Miss kind of breaks the huddle, and we're in a dime, and, and they get up to the line of scrimmage and promptly have to call a timeout. Uh, I don't think they were expecting on a third and three, right? I don't think they were expecting us to be in a dime. I think they were expecting us to, you know, kind of crowd the box, and so it looked like maybe they were going to try to try to pass. And so uh, that was kind of fun to see. But it was it was very interesting to see him play so much uh, and play reasonably well, and for us to play so much dime. Uh, we saw a lot of Mo Smith, uh, you know, out there as well. And of course, Geno. I love my Geno Smith. You know, he's out there uh, almost full time now. Uh, well, Mo, well, well, you know, Maurice had to come in right with the whole Nick Perry shuffle, right? Yep. yep. Because now Jabril's got to come in for Nick, and so Maurice Smith came in to assume Gino's role, right, at the money, and it pushed Gino. I'm sorry, at the star, and it pushed Gino to the money. Yeah, and no, and you- I actually like him. I actually like him in both positions, but I really like him covering the slot. Yep. But it kind of took him away from the slot, and it gave Maurice a chance to play the slot. And uh, I think he did okay. Yeah, you know, I think that with more time that uh, that uh, we'll see more of him there. Now, you know, Nick Perry had, uh, you know, his hit and his ejection was in the second half of the game. So he's going to miss the first half against Florida. Are you concerned if we have to – are you concerned about him being out? Uh, or are you only concerned if we have to play a lot of dime – uh, which leaves Jabril and uh, Mo Smith in. You know, um, I mean, we'll 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 kind of dissect Florida here in a minute, but but I Florida, you know, Florida's game against Kentucky, right? They they it's it's almost like they were trying to say, well, you can throw to Amari eleven times, or we can throw to our Florida receiver twelve times, right? And so they they've got you know one go to guy that you know they should have double cut that Kentucky leaves single covered, you know, in overtime, why do you do that? And so, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not as concerned about this game now that I've seen the distribution of how, how they incorporate their receivers. Cause, cause right now they're really focusing a lot of the workload on one guy. And, uh, so I am okay with Mo Smith being at the star in this game to push Gino, the more veteran guy, to the back. Mm-hmm. Because um, of all the guys we have in the back, I think he's the best guy. Unfortunately, I like him at the slot because I like him to blitz the quarterback. Sure. But I think you can teach a Maurice Smith to to move into that role. And so Gino's probably going to spend a lot of time uh, against these empty, uh, empty sets uh, in center field. And we yeah. knew this coming into Southern Miss. I mean, they started the game in empty for like two or three plays. I mean, right. they don't even have a tight end on their roster. So, you know, no surprise. They went four wide. They took your their running back out as well. So they went five wide, you know, numerous times. Yep. So um, as we said, it was the best thing we could get for our DBs. Hey, real quick, um, it was it was frustrating to start the game. 
how successful they were. I mean, they sure. they got the they got the ball down, you know, to the 13 yard line first and 10. Um several uh several good passes, you know, early in that game. They even completed a, you know, a nice long pass later in the game. I mean, there's still there's still some shuffling, you know, your your analogy of of jobs to win. I think you can still say that about the cornerback position as well. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, Tony Brown is getting a lot more run. Uh, you know, Eddie Jackson got a little dinged up. Looks like he's going to be all right. Uh, you know, those that were paying attention were a little nervous. Uh, was at a, uh, a re-injury of his, of his knee. I say fortunately he just got dinged in the back. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be all right. It wasn't the knee. Uh, but then Tony Brown got a little more run than he probably was going to. Uh, it would have been maybe a series or two later before uh, we brought him in, but uh, he got a little more run, and you know he's looking pretty good. He's getting more and more comfortable at, at the position. I don't know necessarily that he's ready to you know start against uh, you know, and I know I kind of predicted that he would be the starter, but here we are. Uh, I don't know that he's ready for uh, SEC primetime uh, competition as the starter. But uh, I think we're going to see more and more in, of him on the field. Yeah, but that bye week comes at a really good time for him. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I, I think that could be a huge two-week period for him. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's going to be interesting to, to see. Uh, you know, Eddie Jackson had his big breakout game last year uh, against, uh, against Ole Miss. And so wouldn't it be, uh, you know, you know, I kind of predicted Tony Brown and Eddie Jackson as our two corners. Uh, there would be something almost poetic about uh, getting those two guys. You know, Eddie had his breakout game against him last year, and then uh, what if what if Tony Brown came out and had his big uh, breakout game against him this year? Both of them starting. I think that I think there's, there's something to that that would be pretty neat. Oh, absolutely. Hey, a couple things I want to uh, a couple more things on defense. I want to mention that um, there was a key third down series in the second half. Uh, where true freshman Rashawn Jones was brought in to be one of your edge rushers. He was in there with Jonathan Allen. And um, I turned to you and I said, you know, that might speak to, you know, where they where they rank right now. Okay, I know Duvall got a little dinged up with his shoulder, but Jonathan Allen and, and Rashawn Jones. Evans, Evans. Evans, Rashawn excuse Evans. me, Rashawn Evans might be given – uh, might be really winning the 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 battle as far as the 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 speed edge rusher at this point, um, and so I, I just found it interesting that true freshman was in there in a in a key third and long moment. Yeah, he definitely was in. He was definitely in earlier than uh, than what we've seen him before. You know, and I was going to talk about uh, you know the the rush package that it looks like we're putting together. You know, I think Jonathan Allen. You know, clearly, I think he can compete. Uh, and, and he can rush, but it seemed that uh, when we really wanted to dial up some pressure, uh, you know, we took uh, Deshaun Hand, Rashawn Evans, and Ryan Anderson, and we took two of those three, and I think we kind of rotated them, but we took two of those threes uh, and bookend them at uh, defensive ends, and basically that just looked like a sick'em package. It did, and you can throw Xavier Dixon into that into yep. that group as well. I um. I, I was very happy to see uh, specifically Ryan Anderson and, and Xavier Dixon, right? Because they've, they've had some adversity and, you know, they've, um, they've served their time, right? And uh, I think both of those guys are, are finding some comfort 
and how they fit into Nick Saban and what is his packages of all different varieties. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's hard to talk about the defense and not mention Landon Collins anyways, you know, 12 tackles, you know, he had a, a quarterback hurry, uh, you know, he split a, uh, a tackle for loss. Uh, I mean, he was just a, he was just a force, uh, on, uh, on Saturday. So it's good to see, which is, that's, that's what we know him to be. Uh, that's exciting to, uh, to see him perform. Glad he made the decision to come to Alabama despite his mother's, uh, uh, protests. Yes, um, indeed. And he just, you know, he's really, I like him in that, in that dime package right there next to the, to the linebacker. Yes. Um, I will point out real quick. I would like to see us work some other linebackers into that dime package. You know, we, we talked about, you know, not, not seeing, not seeing some, um, you know, not, not seeing as much of, of some of the, the other guys as we'd like to see, because I, I do think there's some mismatch opportunities that we are creating right now, um, with, you know, having our first and second down linebackers in on third down. And so I'd like to see us, um, I'd like to see us mix that up a little bit and, uh, give Dylan Lee a little opportunity. I think so too, because, uh, I think that, uh, you know, and nothing against the other guys. I just, I just think they are more susceptible uh, to being beat in the passing game. And, uh, you know, Dylan Lee is a, a little bit more nimble. I think that uh, a little more capable of, of defending, you know, in his first, his first game as a, as a freshman, you know, against Michigan, he had an interception. And so, uh, you know, I think that uh, he, he is, I think a little more able to make, those types of plays than uh, a trade a priest who I think is more capable of making plays uh, at the line of scrimmage. And it's just ironic, right? Cause you were just talking on offense, how you wish we would, you know, make the linebackers have to work more. Yep. Teams are making our linebackers have to work right. more in the passing game. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Make them do what they're making us do. Right. Who's your mini game ball on defense? My mini game ball on defense. And you know, I, it's similar to last week. I don't. I don't know really where to go with it. I think it's. A, I think it's a hard pick. And so I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Cyrus Jones uh, for my my mini game ball. And I look at it like this: uh, after the West Virginia game, everyone just wanted to to uh, uh, to just get after uh, our cornerbacks, get them both out of the game. Uh, you know, Sylvie, I think was a little more. Uh, responsible for that than than Cyrus, but you know Cyrus was kind of guilty by uh, association, and Cyrus has hung in there. He's hung on to a starting job, and uh, has has really played. Uh, you know, I think his performance has, has really sort of grown over the last uh, couple of weeks, and uh, this kind of felt like a game where you just didn't hear a whole lot out of him, which I think is a good thing. Uh, you know, not that you know he could have had a pick or. You know anything like that, but just that he wasn't uh, he wasn't routinely being beat, uh, and I don't I don't know that you know I'm sure his man caught a couple of passes, but uh, I think he was very steady and stable uh, at what he did on Saturday. I'm going to have a, a mini game ball divided by three. <clears throat> oh boy! And um, I just I want to give the I want to give some love to the to the pressure on the quarterback we were talking about. Okay. And so I'm going to share this with Xavier Dixon and Jonathan Allen and Ryan Anderson. Okay. And, um, you know, 
they they had uh, they had seven quarterbacks, seven of the of the twelve quarterback hurries between the three of them, and uh, I just thought they all played very well situationally, and um, I just look forward to from uh, you know to big things from them you know when the when the SEC schedule gets here. Well, I knew that Xavier Dixon was going to get a mini game ball when he made a play. And you gave me a forearm shiver and almost knocked me down. Uh, and with with very in, with a high degree of intensity, you said Xavier Dixon, man. And um, I thought, well, there's a mini game ball right there. <laughs> well, my 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 boy, uh, I I really was hoping for good things for him this year, and um, you know I'm just really happy to see it because. Um, well, you called it. You called it in the preseason. He's making the most of his opportunities. So, yeah. um, well, hey, what about special teams? You got to see your, you got to see a punt, and he, and he, and he pinned him inside the twenty in his one opportunity. Well, you know, it was it was awesome, right? And I think he had, I think he had two. I think once he pinned him, uh, and another time, uh, another time he was hit. So, uh, oh yeah, I didn't count that one because of the penalty. Possession. Yep. And yep. and in my mind, you know what? That is the perfect compromise. I get to see him punt, and we get to retain the ball. I mean, you get to can you see ask that for lovely that? punt? No, that's true. I like that. I and, like that. And, and so there's a part of me that's thinking. I mean, the dude is like a peacock out there. He is six five, and he's got the longest legs in the world. And perfect for a punter. Perfect for a punter, and that just makes him a big target for someone to you know knock down. It's a long leg to stretch out there to get hit. Yeah. And then when he falls, it's so dramatic because he's so big. Right. And so, uh, you know, he can, you know, he can be the best punter and, and never get an official punt because, you know, he keeps getting hit. What'd you, what'd you think about the fact that, uh, they brought him in, um, at the end to kick two of the kickoffs? I thought that was good to see. Uh, you know, we had talked about having so many kicks into the end zone, uh, and then we had a couple that didn't quite make it to the end zone. And so almost as if on cue, you know, he comes in and um, drills and both of his booms a couple of them just right into, you know, and nearly even out of the end zone. And J.K. Scott is he is something to see. That is I, I like watching him. You know, I don't like watching us. I don't like us having to punt. Uh, you know, let's be real about that. But. But man, if we're gonna punt, he is just so darn fun to watch. Well, it's an easy stat line: two kickoffs for 130 yards, right? Yeah. Average of 65 yards each. That's that's how far it needs to go, right? Yep. Hey, yep. um, what about uh, anything else on special teams? Uh, we we haven't had any more uh, any more big returns on kickoffs. We we continue to see our own players as well as opposing players run the ball out from the end zone, not make it anywhere near the 25, and give up yards. What well, is that, man? Well, yeah, and I, and I, that continues to be frustrating for me. And, you know, we've, that's, that's another topic that we've talked about, you know, for so long. Uh, they'll give you the, the ball on the 25. They'll give it to you for free. You don't have to do anything. And, you know, you still have – players that run it out, even, even if they make it to the 25, you still got the whole team out there. Just uh, got beat up. Everybody for injuries for running yep. around, 
I mean, let's let's take it on the twenty five and and not worry about it. And I, you know, and I had every intention of going back and looking at the stat line, and I didn't. But I bet you, I bet you, Christian Jones had I don't know one hundred fifty return yards against West Virginia, and that's because he made it out to the twenty five six times, and not because he had a big, big you know, awesome stellar return. It's just he went and and ran for what they would have given him for free. Well, look, we'll we'll take real quick last week. The, let's let's just look at this game stat line because I like the way you word it. You say if you're going to run it out and you don't make it to the 25, you should have negative yards for wherever you know. If you made it to the 20, you should cost yourself negative five yards. Sure, right? Because yep. you you took away for the team. So we're not picking on Chris John Jones. He just happens to be the guy that's sure, back sure. there as a kick returner. But this is a this is a great stat line. So last week's game, he had all-purpose yards, 175 yards, 50 receiving on four catches, 111 yards on kick returns. There you go. Because there was four field goals, right? He beat Amari Cooper by 29 yards, and Amari Cooper had, you know, eight catches for 135 yards. Right. And so when so you- almost 200 yards of total all-purpose yards. Yeah, and so when you think about, man, his stat line was comparable to Amari Cooper. How awesome to have you know two receivers you know do that. But then you but you peel that back and you look at well, how many yards did Amari Cooper get that they would have just given us if he had taken a knee? They just wouldn't have given them to him. Not a darn one of them. Yes, but they just wouldn't have given them to him, right? Right. But you know, when you take it out on when you take it out of the end zone, they will give it to you on the twenty-five. Now it doesn't go in your ledger, but the team drive start is the twenty-five, which is, you know, you know, in some respects, I don't care how you get there as long as you get there. But then, what am I trading to get there? Am I trading an opportunity to fumble and someone get hurt and all of that? Whereas they'll just give it to you for free. I will take it for free all day long. Yeah, I just I wanted to bring it up because I knew it bothered you, and um, you know I I don't want to take away from from Chris John Jones because no um, I just I just don't I don't understand why they're just not teaching them look if the ball is kicked past the goal line down it yeah now, now situationally if you know if you see you know if you've studied something on film and you think you can get a return against them the way that they then that's something you know okay let's take a shot at that I'm you know I'm okay with that. You know, let's try it once. Nope, it didn't work. All right. Well, let's take what they give us the rest of the game. But to just repeatedly just do it and do it and do it, it to me, it's nonsensical. And so well, his best returns and his best re- fumble. And if you watch enough college football, hell, it probably happens every Saturday somewhere uh, that someone has made a bad decision and potentially cost their team the game. I bet if you watch enough college football, I bet it happens every couple of weeks. Where someone, if they would just listen to what we're saying, they would preserve a win for their team. Well, the Florida Kentucky game, right? The guy, the guy caught the punt at the eight yard line. Yeah. If the ball would have gone in the end zone, the team would have started on the twenty five yard line with a chance to win the game. Yep. Well, the the irony is, is Christian Jones had a great punt return in the second quarter, uh, fourteen yards to to give us starting field position at at the fifty yard line, mm-hmm. and then his best return on the day, they kicked it to the four. 
and he returned it 37 yards to the 41-yard line. Yeah. So I find it funny. His best returns on the day is when you kind of had to do something with the ball. Sure. Um, sure. But uh, any anything else uh, on special teams before we talk Florida? No, just you got me riled up on that. That's all. Sorry. Well, hey, let, let's talk a little bit about Florida because, you know, they – you know, you and I, you and I had the opportunity after the Bama game to to go somewhere and, and watch this. You know, a good majority of the second half of that Florida Kentucky game, and and you know their their first game of the season uh, was canceled, and so they did not play Idaho, and so um, you know this they they just had a you know one non conference game before uh, before coming into this they. They trounced an Eastern Eastern Michigan team sixty-five to nothing, and so my my question to you is: is does does Kentucky have their number, or is Florida just not that good? Because last year, last year it was a close game as well, and uh, last year the final score uh, uh, the final score of that game last year was twenty-four to seven, and then we saw uh, you know four overtimes this year, so. What do you think about Florida in a limited body of work so far? Yeah, I think that uh, this is definitely a game that Kentucky put out there as a measuring stick game. I think that they probably had some sort of locker room videotape playing in the weight room motivation for the Florida game all off season. I think this was a measuring stick for them, and, and they, they prepared and, and played uh, in that way. I think that they do have Kentucky. I think they do have a, a good coach, and I think he's recruiting a little bit better, and, and I think he's instilling something, some fire and drive in them that you know that they've not had of late. Now, they're still Kentucky, and they still should not be able to compete and recruit and over a four-quarter game uh, compete with, uh, with Florida in the way that they did. And so that's a little bit surprising. And so it started kind of makes you wonder, well, what then is up with Florida? Is it this new offensive coordinator? They've had three in three years, which is, you know, you have to think is a little bit problematic. Uh, You know, Jeff Driscoll has been hurt uh, throughout his career. And so, you know, even as a, even as a fifth year senior, he doesn't have the experience, you know, he's been a multi-year starter, but you know, for a third for a three year starter, you know, let me say it this way: he's the least experienced three year starter you'll ever find, you know, because of his because of his injury. And uh, and I actually work with a, a Florida fan, so we were talking about the game, and and uh, I got a kick out uh, kick out of the way he described Driscoll as someone who can't compete an accurate uh, can't complete an accurate pass over twelve yards. And I thought, well, we've had that conversation, so it'll be interesting to to see. You know, you and I are of an age that, you know, Florida as a name brand still strikes a little bit of fear, uh, even if they're a little bit down because, you know, gosh, they were a juggernaut for a while. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. They're a 17-point favorite. That starts to feel about right. You know, maybe 27 to 10 or something like that is, is kind of where I would go. I think we'll take them. Uh, I think it'll be uncomfortable at times. But uh, I, th- I think we beat Florida. I think we do as well, and this team they just went four overtimes with was two and ten last year. Two and ten, come on! And so, you know, the, um, apparently in that game they were without their starting uh, left tackle DJ Humphreys. He's expected to miss his second straight game with an ankle injury, 
And so they rotated their right tackle over to left tackle for that game and, and brought in a, you know, a red shirt freshman that, that makes me happy, right? The blind side shuffle the right tackle to left tackle with all the edge rushing that we're getting. And so, um, I think we get some good pressure on Driscoll. I hope that, that I hope that we, you know, I hope that we give protection over the top for our corner you know, so that they're not just throwing to the same receiver, you know, over and over. And so, you know, last time we played them was 2011. You know, that was a 38 to 10 ball game at Florida. Um, I'm going to surprise you here and tell you that I think it's going to be something similar. I think coach is going to kick them in the tail for those four field goals that Southern Miss got. I think he's going to ride them a little harder this week with the, you know, first SEC game. I think we're going to be surprised that it's going to be something like a 41 to 13 kind of ball game. Oh, wow. Okay. I think we're going to lay into Driscoll pretty quick. I think we're going to give him a couple licks. I think Blake Sims and Jacob Coker are going to each throw for 200 yards because um, I was very surprised at how easily the uh, Kentucky receivers got open against that Florida secondary. Yeah, they surely did. They surely did. And so that'll be something definitely to, to keep an eye on. You know, I agree with you I, I, pretty much up and down the, the board there. I think that the, we get our, our pressure package uh, after them. Uh, if we can get some early licks, I think that, that goes a long ways. I, you know, I don't know that we blow them out in quite the way that, uh, that you're saying. But, you know, if it's a 17, you know, that, that line feels right. But, uh, you know, if it's a 24-point game, uh, I don't think that I would be overly surprised at that. Okay. Well, definitely, let's just say I feel a little bit better about this game now after watching the, you know, the second half of that Kentucky ball game. Yeah, and and it's am I am I a bad fan when uh, as we're listening to that game, uh, we say if we if Kentucky can't win, we can at least root for another overtime. No, 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 no. That's just smart football. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, any other uh, closing thoughts? Anything we missed? Man, I'm sure we missed plenty that we can talk about. We'll just save it for next week. Sounds good. Hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Check us out on iTunes and leave us a review. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout-out, a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.